Welcome to the Deep Dive, Emerald City Hockey's Seattle Kraken podcast. RJ, it's the first episode of the Deep Dive podcast. It only took us, what, four months? Got a name? <laughs> four months into the season. We've been doing this longer, even. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it definitely, I think, needed the rebound. Em- Emerald City Hockey podcast is a bit of a mouthful, mm-hmm. uh, and it, it's showcases you know the the originality the creativity that i have in coming up with a podcast name <laughs> glad we finally got you involved here to try to come up with a name yeah no and and i think it works you know because we are the podcast that you know we dive into the analytics we deep dive into the coaching systems we deep dive into the plays all that stuff um the word that i see pop up so much when people talk about us is like educational Right. How many times have you seen we're like the most educational podcast? Yeah. And yeah, is another one. I see. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it'd be cool to be the best podcast or the funnest podcast. Most personable. Love those guys. But educational, I will take. Um, <laughs> and thank you to everybody who has brought that stuff up. If you're watching the YouTube version. Yes, this is a very different dog to the normal dog score. This is my sister's dog who's decided she wanted on my lap right now. And she wants to be on camera, I guess. Um So, yes, so we are the Deep Dive Podcast now. Um, I think this is going to be really fun. I think the logo came out great. Going to have merch to go along with this, all that stuff. Um, It's going to be a lot of fun. Unfortunately, don't get to deep dive into any Kraken games this week because it's another week of, you know, postponements, fun, fun stuff practices dylan come on practices we get get practices yeah perfect time to start practice i know talking about practice perfect time for for you to then also you know do all the practice videos on social media uh where you you've already talked about practice to everybody it's the perfect time for this one um but yes we will start with practice because you know a lot of practice been going on and Obviously, coming off the the last couple of games that the Kraken did play, a lot of stuff that needed to be worked on. That was very much, you know, the tone from the team, the tone from Dave Haxtall. So, RJ, what have you seen from the Kraken at practice this week? And, and, you know, where do you feel like they are now? Well, this week of practice has been different than the average, you know, week of practice going between games and all of that. It's almost been like a little mini training camp 2.0. It's just been a week to kind of focus and I guess do some deeper dives and work on some things that you wouldn't ordinarily get the chance to. And that's kind of the biggest general takeaway that I've gotten from it. A lot of the practices have been, you know, over the hour mark have lasted a lot longer than the other practices do. And they've gotten to work on some things system wise uh, that they wouldn't have had the chance to otherwise. Uh, I've noticed some different looks for zone entries. Uh, I've noticed a lot of work on special teams, uh, particularly being aggressive on the PK. And um, I've noticed also, you know, a lot more game type situations, even getting some contacts and physicality there. Uh, one of the things that that Haxtell talked about and, and some of the players kind of echoed is the need for real compete in practice to have that, you know, whether it's contact or, you know, really treating it like a game. I think it was Carson Soucy that said, you know, it's it's time. We've got to practice against each other like we play against these other teams. And I think they're kind of at this point in the season where, given everything that's been going wrong, I, I think they, they can't really hold back anymore. They need to really practice full out and, and see if that's able to make a difference for them. Yeah, and I mean, that's something we talked about, and I guess mid-November when I was up there, 
Because just going and watching their practice and then watching the Wild when they were in town, it was night and day. And, you know, the Wild, they're all physical. They're doing puck battle drills. Like, guys are pushing, shoving. You know, I think I saw one guy knock somebody else down. And we saw all that in, like, 30 seconds. And you could watch the entire Kraken practice and, and count on one hand the amount of times anybody got any, you know, physical in any way with each other. And I get it. You don't want to hurt your teammate or anything. But practice in a lot of ways you're building that muscle memory especially with learning a system not having a full off-season program to implement systems all that kind of stuff you need that muscle memory come game time and the only way to do that is to create game scenarios real game scenarios and practice through them so i am glad that the kraken are doing that did they run any sort of drill where they had somebody score and then they just tried to keep the puck out of the net for like you know 25 seconds (laughs) <laughs> you know, that's a good question. Uh, I didn't see any drill like that. That would have been interesting. I wonder how you kind of set that one up. You just throw another live puck in play and defend, 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 <laughs> you know, make sure you've got your guy. It's it's certainly something that, you know, obviously needs to be worked on, but so hard to replicate, I guess, in a practice situation. It's really just one of those things you've got to be mentally on the same page for in a game. Um, I did see a lot of you know drills kind of around the net, second, third chance opportunities, though, uh, mm-hmm. and and working on preventing that. Um, you know, and that's something that was pointed out today by uh, the goalies, really, and Philip Grubauer, just saying that's really what he got time to work on in practice is having a lot of these second, third chance opportunities. Just one right after the other, you know, scoring opportunities against. Uh, and Haxtell kind of echoed that as well. Um, can we talk about Grubauer's pads? Yes, I know. We're going to get to those in a sec, but you brought something okay, up. Okay. Uh, I will talk about it. One, I do think that that's interesting because really we hadn't seen that been a problem for the Kraken goaltending so much this yeah. season. A lot of it was first shots going in, yes. uh, you know, guys from high danger chances just scoring. But we did see that in those last three games that, you know, the goalies were making a save and then they were just like, crazy out of position for a rebound or they were just kind of scrambling d wasn't necessarily there to help out with rebounds so it is interesting that they worked on that and then i assume that also you know it's got to be a drill somewhat for the offense because they have you know there are no there's nobody trying to put in rebounds on offense for this team at all absolutely i'm glad you brought that up too because you know as of today the kraken are last place in the nhl in five on five expected goals for per 60 uh that's not good they're averaging 1.97 expected goals for per 60 at five on five um that's uh that's last place in the nhl less than arizona is this 2003 (laughs) rj what's going on i know right uh it's a problem and you know we can focus on the defensive problems and the goaltending which you know the goaltending certainly been an issue but they're also not scoring and they're not mm-hmm. generating a whole lot of offensive chances too so learning those habits going to the net getting those second third opportunities that's how you score goals in the nhl that's a big part of it mm-hmm. uh so working on that should help yeah all right so now grubauer's pads little something different this week yes uh so for a couple days of practice this week thursday and then again today sunday as we're recording this uh grubauer wore his old avalanche pads from last season uh during practice uh first noticed it on thursday i'm like that looks a lot like the abs burgundy and then i noticed yeah these aren't these aren't his kraken pads um so he was asked about that after practice today he said they're basically the same as his current true branded pads. I mean, they're made by the same manufacturer. Uh, so 
maybe you know he's he said he'd put in an order for another pair of true pads as well so they're fine but maybe either his current pads are kind of worn down he's saving them for the games you know i'm i'm uh just speculating at this point or you know maybe he's just looking for the feel of uh of the other ones maybe there's some supply chain issues as far as working on getting a second backup pair of pads don't really know on that you know wasn't kind of followed up with that but he said it's nothing crazy he loves that for you know, nothing crazy um so yeah it was just interesting to see him definitely wearing those abs pads from last season for the last couple of practices i was gonna say like any chance you think he wears them in a game i, I mean is that even allowed i don't think it's allowed i mean i i think let's see they've been approved by the nhl under the standards and everything for last season i don't know if he had them approved going forward for this season or if they've already been approved whether they're just kind of grandfathered mm-hmm. in i don't know how that works from a rules perspective but uh if he was allowed to wear them i don't know i of course the kraken's next game you know, is against the avalanche in colorado uh it would be it would be very interesting to see him wear those pads if he were to get the start uh but i don't think he will no i mean it, look i get him wearing them in practice and stuff too i he almost won a vesna trophy in those pads he's mm-hmm. putting together like basically literally the worst goaltending season anybody's ever had this year in these other pads why wouldn't you try them like it, it makes all the sense in the world to pull those things out of storage and uh, throw them on and try to rekindle some of the magic and that's why i was wondering maybe maybe try playing them in a game what's the worst that could happen <laughs> yeah it can't get a whole lot worse <laughs> not really um but yes that is that is interesting not something you see or hear about happening every day that's for sure yep so uh that's been good uh tell us the latest on Jaden schwartz because i i think this news came out after we did the last one right yes it did yeah so Schwartz had been injured already at that point, but we hadn't gotten any updates on the injury aside from just him not being at practice and all of that. So uh, Schwartz will have hand surgery. Uh, unfortunately, he will be out for four to six weeks. That's the timeline that they've given. Uh, so he'll be out of the lineup for a little while. Uh, I think we identified the play where it happened. He was, I believe, tripped or hooked um, in the last game that he played, and he kind of fell down on his hand and... Obviously, something must have broken there. Uh, he was wincing coming up from it. And yeah, it just didn't look good. So he'll have hand surgery. He'll be out. And of course, that's going to be a huge blow to the Kraken. He's their second leading point scorer. And uh, coupled with Tana being out, that's two of their top six point scorers now out long term. Yeah, it's it's a problem. Um, I mean, again, thankfully, the crack, Kraken have the depth right now. COVID seems to be less of an issue right now for them than it has been the last couple weeks, right? It doesn't seem like too many guys. It seems like more people are coming off than being added right now. Only one guy left on COVID protocol yeah. after today is Alex Wenberg. Yeah, so that's helpful, at least as far as surviving the loss. But yes, it's less than ideal. Um, obviously, a big you know free agent target for this team. He was supposed to be a big part of this team. Struggled through a lot of this year, really, even though he's been putting up points for them. Uh, at least compared to the rest of the lineup. I think there's been plenty of times where it's looked like he struggled to fit in kind of what his role on the team is systematically, all that kind of stuff. Um, but, you know, if if the Kraken are, are kind of in the place where, you know, I think a lot of the fan base has been, certainly the fan base that's been communicating with us, <laughs> you know, yeah, maybe it's, maybe it's not the worst thing in the world, you know, gets to go get healthy and uh, maybe the team's a little worse and they 
you know, lose and, and try to secure a lottery pick. And that's kind of something I do want to talk about real quick is just, you know, is it bad that 33 games into the year, season's pretty much lost. I think it's a 0.7% chance of making the playoffs at this point. It's not really going to happen. Um, is it bad if people really just start shifting gears and, and start not necessarily rooting for losses, but we know plenty of people that are rooting for losses at this point. You know what I mean? Like, do you think that it's bad that so early into a first season that expectation has completely, you know, done a 180 and that fans are kind of getting on board with that? Do you think that's going to damage the casual fans interest in the in the team and how damning do you think that's going to be you know moving forward into next season well all good questions i I think i'll kind of separate it out yeah uh first first i think obviously it's quite bad that we're at this point you never want to kind of call it on the season this early or, or have it look so bleak this early Certainly when you're an expansion team, I mean, that's when it's most important to at least kind of be alive, be in the playoff race, even if you're not, you know, right up there just to have some kind of hope that really helps when you're trying to build a fan base and and kind of grow the sport with the team being there in its first season. So I I think that's really unfortunate that they're kind of at this point right now. Um, As far as, you know, given that we're here, you know, is it bad to start rooting for losses and that sort of thing? I think that was kind of the second part of your mm-hmm. question. Um, I would say normally if this was just a team in its eighth, 20th, you know, 50th season, whatever, uh, that I would be totally on board with that because in the NHL, it, it pays to be either really good or really bad. You don't mm-hmm. want to be right there in the middle. That's the worst place to be. And so in a season like this, you, you, do have an incentive to lose those games. But I think in this case, it doesn't make sense for the Kraken because as an expansion team, they're still trying to kind of establish their identity. They need to get something going here, you know, just for one, you know, building the fan base and all of that. And two, also just to kind of maintain the status as an attractive destination, whether it's for free agents, for for any kind of talent, really. Um, and that's a question that I was asked the other days. You know, is Seattle still going to be a top flight free agent destination after this season if they don't turn it around? And I do think they need to show something, some kind of improvement uh, for players, you know, that they're going to want to bring on board to want to come to Seattle. I mean, it's a great place to be, great place to live. Mm-hmm. Everything off the ice is fantastic, but at the end of the day, you have to believe that they have the potential to win and win soon if you're going to come as a free agent. So I think in this case, it's going to help them on a number of fronts if they can turn it around and win, even if it means losing some draft positions. So right now, I'm not there yet. Um, You know, if it comes down the last week of the season and you're talking about (laughs) draft position, then sure. Uh, But I I don't think we're at that point yet. Uh, And then let's see the third part. Do you think this is going to hurt with casual fans and, and all of that? Yeah, I think it does. Um, winning helps a lot. We, we've seen that across just about every sport in every market. You know, winning helps a lot. And when you're not winning, it's it's tough, right? You know, casual fans will kind of look the other way. And, and we just that's that's how it works. You know, it's nothing about Seattle, nothing about hockey, the Kraken. That's just how it works in sports. Um, and so I think it does hurt in that respect. Um I guess maybe it also helps that a lot of the other Seattle sports teams aren't doing too well. Um, unfortunately, you, you never want that to be the redeeming factor. But um, yeah, I, I think it does hurt. Yeah, it it is going to be interesting 
over the offseason. And I think you bring up an amazing point with the free agency thing, because that, that is right now, realistically, in my mind, that and kind of fan interest, although that doesn't seem to be a problem yet, uh, at least not too That's much. Um, the free agency thing really is the best reason to make the argument of why they should keep pushing and why we should still be rooting for them to succeed, because that is something that is going to help them out. Um, you look at like this team's cap friendly page, for instance, right? You got more forwards on expiring deals than you have forwards signed for next season right now. You know what I mean? Like you have, you're going to have this situation where you're going to need to attract people, bring them in, make the, they need to want to come here. Um, yes, you've got a lot, you're going to have a lot of cap space, but you know, you don't want to overpay guys to offset the fact that you're considered a losing team. Although I don't know that any, you know, team one year in is going to really be seen that way. Um, I just think that I think with the casual fan thing, as far as not losing excitement and, and the excitement waning, and even to some extent, this could factor into the free agency thing. I guess I wish that the Kraken were doing a little bit more now that the team has been losing and it's kind of, it's in the situation where it is playoffs aren't really on the table anymore. I do wish that the Kraken were cranking up the fan outreach. And I understand COVID obviously makes it really hard. You can't have the players out interacting with fans. You can't have them do you know projects. You can't do signings at the practice facility, all that stuff right now. I get that. But give us more videos. The few times they give us like videos of the team interacting or the team doing something like building the gingerbread houses, it's amazing. That's, that's something you could be giving us that would be keeping the fans engaged. Even the casual fans, that brings in casual fans just as much as a winning team does, in my opinion, um, or at least keeps them around for, you know, through the first season. Um, <laughs> I, I think it keeps fans engaged. It, it deepens those bonds we feel to the players that are going to be hanging around and everything. And I, you know, I know I just said a bunch of these guys aren't going to be here next year, <laughs> or, or at least on paper, they won't be. But that's how you that's how you build those deeper emotional bonds. That's how you get players, uh, or at least young kids, excited to go and buy somebody's jersey, right? Like, as adults, we can all look and go, like, okay, Grubauer is going to be the goalie of the of the future. He's the franchise goalie. I can get his jersey, whatever, right? Or we'll we'll find a reason to like somebody. But when you're looking at like the next generation of fans coming in, and you know, yes, it's hard to sell a seven-year-old per se on a losing team. You can sell them on the experience of going to a game, although there have been issues maybe with that, just with the amount of people and demand for the games, the price of going to a game, not, you know, super cost-effective to take like a family of four or five to a game right now, uh, just because of everything. You get them excited by, by having them, you know, build an ODR, in Seattle because with all the snow and you have the players out there playing on it and you have them, you know, goofing around and doing stuff. And you put that out on Twitter and Instagram and YouTube, right? Like plenty of teams have, have YouTube presences. This team doesn't really, you know what I mean? Like I'd, I'd like to see more of that fan outreach and, and building that connection between us and the players. Um, because I think that's, that's how you deal with the losing. That's that's kind of the direction you got to go to keep everything, you know, all, all the good feels. You know what I mean? No, I think that's a great point that you make. And there's there's a lot of things that you can do, you know, as a team, even if the winning on the ice isn't there to kind of to kind of grow the fan base and, and reach out to people. I think outreach is, is the perfect word and, and kind of. It's tough with COVID, I know you said, mm -hmm. but uh, there are other things you can do. I love that video of Yanni Gord they put out the other day, mic'd mm -hmm. up at practice. 
you know, things like that. And Gord's a guy certainly who will be sticking around. Yeah. Um, you know, kind of get to know their personality. There's a lot of great personality on the team. You can kind of showcase that. So I think yeah. that's a good point. And it's tough. Uh, another thing is, it's tough with the, you know, knowing how much the losing affects the fan outreach. Cause it's, it's a case of really, you know, the fans that are there are, are going to be there, but it's, you can't see the fans that maybe would have, you know, recognize the Kraken and gotten into hockey had they been winning a little bit more. You know, if the Kraken were, you know, in a firm playoff spot or whatever, and, you know, Seahawks fan just, oh, man, this team sucks mm -hmm. right now. Mariners aren't didn't make the playoffs. It was close. Hey, have you heard about the Kraken? You know, your buddy, just, if you heard about the Kraken, they're doing really well. You should go check them out. Watch a game. Yeah, I mean, if you even can on TV, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. that's the other part that's been tough to watch the games as well. And we, we've gone into that in the past. But mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so that's another thing. Yeah, and, to ramp now. <laughs> no, 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 it's fine. And yeah, I mean, you know, get get the Kraken players to do local news spots and stuff. You know, again, mm -hmm. invite the local morning news in in and around, and invite those kinds of things. Um, like, just get you just gotta get a little creative as far as the PR outreach, and I think you can offset a lot of the losses, especially because it's understandable as an expansion team. You can get away with it now. But you have to, but you have to do this other stuff to offset it. You can't just, you know, be like, well, everybody's going to be okay because they know we're an expansion team. Yes, they're maybe not here right now, but they'll be here when we're good in, you know, a year or so. Um, I, I think you have to, you have to offset it now while you can and take advantage of the fact that yes, a lot more losses than anybody saw coming. But expansion team, we can use that excuse, so to speak, move out, do this other stuff, build, build those connections. It's at least what I want to see the Kraken really focusing on now is is doing stuff like that within the community just because, yeah, we could go on a winning streak, probably not going to matter for a playoff spot, and it'll just kind of end up hurting <laughs> out, hurting the offseason plans at this point. So um, that's at least where I'm at when it comes to all of this stuff. Um, all right, so it, it sort of dovetails into, I think, what our next topic's going to be, which is Ron Francis and Ron Francis' interview. Um, I, I read the, the great interview done by Greg Wyshynski of ESPN. I strongly suggest everybody go and read the, the article that Wyshynski put out, read the interview that he put out. We'll, we'll touch on, you know, plenty of stuff from it here, but, uh, definitely want to give him a shout out. I've been following his writing for decade plus at this point through many different outlets that he's been at. Absolutely love him. He's a great writer. I, I strongly suggest all hockey fans go and familiarize themselves with him and all of his work. But a lot of stuff touched on in this interview, RJ, with Ron Francis. Um, I, I'm trying to think of really where we should start. I guess we can kind of build off of what we were just talking about, and that's, you know, talking about where the team is at right now. Season mm -hmm. hasn't been going as well as expected. And how, you know, Ron Francis very much has been kind of sticking to the same message he kind of had in the offseason, which is, we're not Vegas. We weren't expecting to be Vegas. Nobody can expect us to be Vegas. And, um, you know, we've got a good five-year plan and we're sticking to that plan. Yeah, Francis kind of has kept that consistent message over, over this whole time where, you know, yes, we're not Vegas. We have a long-term plan. We're going to do it differently. And, and I understand that. You don't want to set the expectations too high to Vegas level. And, and certainly given the team's start, you know, you don't want to go tracking back toward those level of expectations. But, you know, I'm I'm kind of tired of Vegas being used as a way to deflect from some legitimate criticisms about this team. And you kind of saw it throughout that interview where 
legitimate criticism after legitimate criticism are brought up and it's like well you know we're not vegas those deals weren't available uh things like that or we had vegas on the outside of the expansion draft so we couldn't do this and that uh where i just don't think it applies there every time and I just think also the Kraken are so far kind of below even what their expectations for themselves were at the start of the season that it can't be used entirely. I mean, you know, you can't be like, oh, you know, Kraken are 0 and 82. Well, you know, you're not Vegas. You can't expect us to be Vegas. You know, I think there's a limit to it. So that is kind of one thing that I that I noticed as far as, you know, the expectations and, and that kind of tone that he took that that, you know, just bothered me a little bit. No, and I think that's totally legitimate, and I think that's probably how a lot of fans reading this would feel, um, because it is. It's I, I understand the saying, like, look, because of the Vegas thing, a lot of GMs out there learned lessons. Some of the deals weren't available to us. That was clear at the expansion draft. We've still talked about them maybe not taking the most advantage of what they could have done at the expansion draft. And Ron Francis does tend to just use that Vegas excuse whenever that gets brought up. Um but yeah, I mean, this started literally the day of the expansion draft, like like watching the special on Espen, like that was clear where he was at. <laughs> he seemed, mm-hmm. you know, at the time, I thought it was just that he was tired, but I do right. legitimately think that he was disappointed in kind of how the, the process went and how the situation went. Maybe it was just that he was upset about all the leaks, all, all the leaks earlier that day, how all the picks were leaked and everything. But like... I also don't think he cares that much about the, you know, TV special maybe not being as exciting as it could have been otherwise. I really don't think that that was Ron Francis's concern at the time. I do think that he was thinking, you know, all along before the expansion draft, they're saying, okay, we've got this long-term plan. We're going to build a core. And and then, you know, all this other stuff is going to go around that core. And I do think he was thinking, all right, I'm going to walk away from this with, you know, at least an additional first round pick. Uh, I'm going to have a couple second round picks. Like, I think he was just truly going in and, and the more he was having problems making deals as the expansion draft was getting closer, he was probably thinking like, okay, well, they're going to, we're going to get there and they're going to cave. You know what I mean? Like, like, it's just like the trade deadline where it's like, no, I'm not doing that deal. I'm not doing that deal. I'm not doing that hour to go till the deadline. Okay. Here's everything you want for Paul Gostad. Right. (laughs) Like that's, that's just the way it goes. And I think he really was going into that expansion draft thinking, okay, at the last minute, a lot of stuff's going to come together that I've been kicking the tires on or, or discussions that I've been having with guys. We're going to get to this deadline and they're going to fold and then we're going to be able to do this. And I think, you know, looking at his attitude then and kind of the attitude he's kept now and the, the reasoning, the, why he keeps bringing that up, I think is because it really bothers him personally that that he was he really thought that that was going to happen and he was wrong. And it bothers all of us when, you know, something goes wrong. Uh, certainly if you're a public figure or something, that's even worse. Um, and, you know, that is me speculating. I don't know that that's the case or anything. I'm not like trying to put right. that out there completely. But I do think that that comes up a lot. And and yes, at some point you got to get rid of the Vegas thing. You and I were saying all along, don't have ex- Vegas expectations. Yes, but playoff expectations were not out of the realm of possibility. All the like projection models, all the advanced stat stuff was like this is should be a playoff team or at least up there. Even the worst, like you know, most down on this team guys before the the season started, and Wyshynski brings this up, thought that this team was going to be way better than it is right now. Yes, no Absolute. one, no one thought they would be a bottom five team, and really. Not just like, oh, bad luck has put them there or key injuries have put them there. 
they just look like a bottom five team right now. Playing the game of hockey, they look it. And that it still doesn't make sense. You know, I'm looking at the roster. Just on paper, it doesn't make sense with how they've performed. And Francis did nothing to really address that. And that is disappointing. Yeah, I, I think there were certain areas where, you know, I understand it. it's really tough in an interview. You don't want to, like, necessarily hold the guy's feet to the fire. You're just trying to get some explanation of what's going on. Um, but, yeah, there, there were certainly things that, uh, you know, maybe could have been addressed as far as the expansion draft process. And I know that's something that Francis is not ever going to probably want to get really into. Because I think even all of us thought on the day of the expansion draft, like, oh, they could have done a lot better with this. You know, it's not some kind of hindsight thing, given the losing. I, people are like, wait, there's no side. Do- what, what were you doing? Right. <laughs> they just they didn't do the process correctly. You know, it felt like at the time. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, we probably will never get full answers on that because it's mm-hmm. impossible to know. It's all speculation. You know, were the deals there and then they just didn't come, you know, come up? Did he not lower the prices? What happened? You know, it's impossible to know. And, and I don't think we're ever going to get real answers, but. Yeah, I don't know. That's that's kind of where we're at with that. Yes. Um. So, gosh, I, I, there's a lot to talk about here. Um. I guess one of the other things he talks about. Well, I guess we'll stay in that general area and talk about the the idea of building up a core and that being their mm-hmm. focus and them still, you know, having this longer term approach to everything. It's that again. As you were saying, just as much as the kind of Vegas excuses have been consistent, this has at least been consistent. And I do think that that's important that like the, you know, the plan has stayed consistently. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, if the plan was to build through the draft and stuff, then yes, being bad probably plays into that. I still don't think this was all going to plan, um, but it at least helps. It's not quite the Vegas scenario where they were like, yeah, we got a five year plan. And then it was like oh, wow, we're, like, really, really good. Let's scrap that plan and try to take advantage of this. Right. Um, Although it worked for them. Um, So he's sticking to the five-year plan. I I get that. I think that's, you know, you and I have talked several times, whether it be here and certainly for the last, you know, decade plus, about the best ways to build a hockey team and how really you need those kind of superstar guys that you draft. You have team control over for a while. You can kind of cost control them a little bit. It's not a great system, but that's the realities <laughs> of it. Um, and, and, you, and then you build around them with pieces like free agency. I understand that that's the best way of doing it. I understand that that's what this team wants to do. I struggle to connect the dots with then some of the other decisions made that Francis made. And I and I think Wyshynski was trying to get there with some of it. And Francis wasn't quite answering the questions. But right. like, why do you sign a 30-year-old goaltender to a five-year deal if you have a five-year plan? Your plan is that in that last year of the deal, Philip Grubauer at 35 is going to come through for Maddie Beneers in the gang. Like, you know what I mean? Like, why why do you go out and, and sign Jaden Schwartz at, at 29? Um, uh, Wenberg. I get that you need some pieces there for this year so you can be competitive, help build the fan base, all the stuff we just talked about in the last segment. I get all that. But also, like, majority of this team is between 25 and 30. If this team, you know, if three years from now is really when the Kraken's window is here, how much of this team is still going to be there? And how much of this team that is here now are you have just going to lost, you know, lose over time to things like free agency, where you're not going to be getting any return back from them? 
Like, yeah, and how many of those contracts will look good, good potentially now because they're in those you know prime years, and then look bad when you're trying to compete? Right. <laughs> you you look at Schwartz contract, this longer term Grubauer's contract. Those are meant for now. Those are are now contracts that you kind of pay for later. Right. Um, like this is a team built of supporting cast guys, like the best supporting cast guys. Don't get me wrong; these guys are really good. But without the superstar, we're seeing without the engine that kind of can make all of this stuff go in the NHL, um, it, it's just kind of here. So then, yes, again, you come around to the Tarasenko's potentially having been available and, and the decision not to go in that direction because you're committed to this long-term thing. But yes, if you're going to hold on to Alexander Winberg until he's you know 31, what kind of return are you going to get back from him? He's not going to help your future core and, and you're not going to get a good return back from him. Like, I think those, I think that's a legitimate question to ask. And, and I understand Ron Francis isn't going to try to give away all of his plans or anything, but again, it's, you, I want an answer. Right. And, and this is one that I I know no one's going to press him on, but like, how about not picking Nikita Zadorov, who you could have flipped for Mm -hmm. a third round pick the next day. Right. And that's consistent with having the five-year plan and drafting and developing. Mm -hmm. It's a free draft. Yeah. It's certain things like that of just not using the process correctly, um, where the, there's really there's no way to defend that move because you essentially you got nothing instead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there, I mean, there was just several teams. We just ended up with nothing from. Yeah. And I get that. Like there are there are picks, by the way, you know, I, I'm not confused by that. I know there are picks that you that you need to let go. Vegas did that, mm-hmm. you know, and there's really nothing of value there. But when there's a guy who gets flipped for a third round pick the very next day, you know, then then taking nothing looks pretty bad. Right. It makes you look unplugged. And, you know, maybe it's because you were so dialed into everything else that you missed that. Right. Like, Mm -hmm. and I don't mean like miss the idea of, oh, I could take this guy and and flip him, but, you know, miss that there was already this market out there for him. I I could I could see that being a reasonable um, reason why it didn't happen. But, yes, it's just one of those things where it was just like, I I don't know. Um, The expansion draft. Yeah. Like I said, Going back and thinking about Ron Francis, his demeanor, the things he was saying, just the vibe he was giving off on expansion day, <laughs> it seemed like he was just tired and maybe he's just not like a TV media guy. And that's that's why he was the way he was. But now it's starting to look like, yeah, he was just disappointed. Yeah, it certainly would make sense looking back at it. Yeah. And uh, maybe that's not the best way to, to kick off the franchise <laughs> is, uh, <laughs> is, is to be disappointed with it. Um the other thing is, you know, he, he brings up COVID, which I do think is legitimate. Obviously, lots of teams have been dealing with COVID. Kraken have kind of dealt with it over a longer period of time, maybe, than some other teams. And certainly in a less consistent manner. It's not like it just ran through the team all at once. Uh, it's just kind of been hanging around, taking guys in yeah. and out of the lineup all over the place. So I, I understand when he says stuff like that. Um, he brings up, you know, this was a team that was supposed to be, and this is Francis. Like you, you looked at our team. Everybody thought we were going to be a good goaltending team. We we're going to kind of, you know, mm-hmm. net out this thing, which certainly we did. I think everybody agrees <laughs> on that, and that hasn't been the case. And so, you know, Shinsky asks him about Grubauer, about Drieger, how this has all been going, going on. Francis really commits to Grubauer, like. You walk away from this thinking Grubauer is going to be this franchise goalie for the while, for the next little while. For sure. And, and I don't think we should be too surprised by that. I mean, once you've given him that contract, you've committed to him, 
you know, whatever happens, you can mm-hmm. say whatever you'd like after that, but, but he's the goalie for a while. Um, and, you know, he points out some points that, you know, we've looked at before earlier in this season that, yeah, Grubauer struggled also when arriving in Colorado, mm-hmm. you know, that that was there. And that if you look at over his whole career, he's not this bad of a goalie. I think we all know this is not because no, what he is long-term because no goalie has ever been this bad of a goalie. Yes. Yes. And stayed in the league. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so I, and I'm comfortable with that too. I, mm-hmm. I think Grubauer eventually will bounce back. Maybe it won't be this season, but I, I think eventually he's going to get closer to where he was. I don't think this is what he is now. I don't think anyone no, really no, no. thinks that. So I, I understand Francis's answer on that. Yeah. Again, it's just, it's, it doesn't jive with the whole five-year plan thing. <laughs> that's, that's where no. I, that's where I'm struggling with it, I guess, other than, Yes, you want to just always kind of have the best goalie you can around. And certainly for the years one, two, three of having those young guys in the lineup, you'd like to have a veteran stable goalie so that they, you know, it's it's not like you're also dealing with a developing goalie who's going to let in a bunch of goals and maybe kill the confidence of all the young skaters you have out there right. or something. Um, I, I understand all that. It's just, it was just an answer that I don't know a ton of fans are going to walk away feeling great from. So that's why I wanted to bring it up. For, right. for us to discuss um anything else really stick out from this article that you want to touch on yes um i guess the first thing that i was kind of looking for when i first you know scanned the interview and everything is okay how far is he willing to go as far as kind of admitting that this season mm-hmm. they're probably not going to make the playoffs they're looking toward the future they're you know is he still kind of holding out hope for this season because i know that's something that the two of us had talked about is you know, because we're talking about mm-hmm. the Kraken every day is like, you know, how, how long before we can really talk about, yes, it's unlikely that they're going to make the playoffs, but there's always that hesitation. We don't want to be like, oh, they're not going to make it. They're not, you know, just because they, they always could turn it around. Right. Technically, yeah. you know, there's still another number of games left. And so I was curious to see what his tone was about that. And it was very much, yeah, this season's done. We don't have a chance. <laughs> we're moving on to next season. This is long term. So I think he's kind of at that point now with where they're at this season. And mm-hmm. he's he's at peace with that. He's accepted that um, makes makes me feel a little better about, you know, kind of accepting that. Like, I think we did maybe last week or a couple of weeks ago, you know, after after some of those like the Edmonton and the Philly games, we were just like, all right, guys, this is where we are. Um, yeah. So so that was one one takeaway I had just kind of from his tone overall and, and talking about even being sellers at the deadline. He didn't shy away from that. No, but he also kind of did. Like, when Wyszynski kind of brought that up more specifically, like, okay, like, what's the plan for the deadline? Like, you couldn't get the stuff that you wanted to do at the expansion draft, but, you know, we see it every year. You know, he he even, he says it kind of fun, like, you know, yes, the GMs learn from the Vegas expansion. You couldn't get stuff there. But, you know, we see it every year that GMs never learn at the expansion deadline. That's where you can take advantage of those mistakes. And, Again, I get it. That's a future event, so you're not going to expect a GM to be like, oh, yeah, no, we're looking to move Giordano. We're looking at whatever. Love to get this kind of return from him. Obviously, Francis is not going to say that. Yeah. But he still just took, like, the most blasé, like, you know. Sure. He managed to say absolutely nothing <laughs> at all. I almost want to read it verbatim just because it's so impressive how, yeah. how little he he, he basically you know, said, like. We're yeah. no different than any other team. Yeah. You see what's out there. Who's looking for what? If you have something that makes sense, you do it. If you don't, you don't. Like, <laughs> like what? Is, what is that? Uh, I mean, that that is might be like Ron Francis is a very talented guy in so many ways. Yeah, 
that might be one of his best talents, though, is, is saying absolutely nothing while saying very many words. <laughs> I think I think it's a combination of being in a management position and uh, just being in hockey in general. That's that's what yep. that gives you. Uh, you know, many, <laughs> many decades of, of those two things. Uh, you end up like that. Um, yeah. So that that was the one thing that was just kind of like I was like, OK, I want a little bit more because that's really what's going on. You've acknowledged that that's what's going on now. So I, I would have liked to get an insight into maybe what he was thinking uh, for the next month or so as we get into the trade deadline. But because it, but it, you know, in a lot of ways, it also benefited you and me, RJ, because we get to now do that on the yes. podcast. So maybe Francis was just looking out for us because yeah, he listens and he's a fan. Hey, Ron. Um, <laughs> uh, so yeah, so RJ, as I said yeah. earlier. Lots of guys on expiring deals on this team. Oh, yes. Those are the prime trade deadline targets because you don't got to worry about paying them for a long time. They're the rentals. You can bring them in, all that good stuff. So let's go through all the guys on expiring deals, kind of talk about who we think is going to stay, who we think is going to go, if we think they're going to be traded, and if we think they're on the trade block, where they might go. Because that's one of the things we've missed when we've talked about, you know, the last couple times we brought up the trade stuff as people have asked us about it. We've talked about who we think could get traded, but we haven't really talked about trade partners yet. And I think that's right. where things can get a little interesting for us here. So let's just go ahead and burn through the RFAs first, because realistically, I think a lot of these are just going to stay with the Kraken. I don't think Agreed. they're going to move any. Um, sorry, don't think McCann's leaving. Don't want McCann leaving. I think we're all in nope. agreement there. Um Ryan Donato, we've talked about several times, having an amazing season, want to see him stay around. So I don't see them trading Ryan Donato at the deadline either. No. Morgan Geeky, ditto is the first two. Then we move into defense. or Well, there's Mason Appleton, I guess. Yeah, Appleton's there. Um, that could be an interesting one. He was talked about as potential uh, guy uh -huh. on the trade block earlier this season. I think we both agree he's kind of put it together a little bit mm -hmm. since. One of the reasons he was talked about as a trade option was because he hadn't been playing well. It looked like maybe a poor fit. But given how much forward depth they have on this team, I mean, I don't, do you not listen to offers? No, I think you got to listen to offers. And I think teams would be willing to make offers for him too. I mean... I got to think a lot of teams would be interested in Mason Appleton for this year. I saw an article earlier about the Penguins and why they should be interested in Mason Appleton, find themselves in a playoff position unexpectedly. I think there's some other teams. Uh, tell me he wouldn't fit in well in Nashville. Oh, yeah, absolutely. He'd be a great fit in Nashville. He'd be a great fit there. St. Louis, he'd be a good fit. If a team like Colorado is looking to add depth, I think he'd fit in with their style of play really well. So... I think you can have a really good market for Mason Appleton and I think the Kraken should explore it and, and, you know, trade him if you get a good offer for him because long-term, all right, he's going to be 26 next year and you're going to have to pay him probably not a ton, but again, you're, you're going to quickly get into the UFA years from here on out. And I, I just don't know that he's going to be an effective piece once your core finally, you know, comes together and is in the time to need him. Exactly. This is kind of, you know, where his prime is and where he's most useful. And he might be one of those guys that makes sense to move, not because he's the guy who's, you know, stands out as being out of the lineup, not good enough, but just because the return you could get is so good. Yeah, exactly. Um, 
don't know that you could get a first for him. Maybe if you got a, a big bidding war going for him, mm-hmm. but um, but still, I you know, second round pick would be really nice, or a, a second and a fourth or something isn't yeah. unreal. Or if there's a mid tier prospect you like, mm-hmm. that too. Yeah, uh, Alex True. I liked Alex True in his time up here. I, I think you could probably resign him. There's not going to be a trade market for him. No, no. I, I think it's just choose. Do you want to resign him or not? Um, I, I wouldn't have a problem with it. And he, he's good to have, you know, down in the AHL. I, I don't know. I haven't been as impressed at the NHL level. It's just frustrating to see someone with that kind of size who doesn't use it, just consistently does not use it and, and doesn't really have that physicality to his game, tries to play like a, you know, five foot 10 skilled forward and, um, but but really could do a lot more I think with his size mm-hmm. and he's he's not really scoring like that you know like the skilled yeah. forward kind of he tries to play like so I don't know it's what I saw with him with the Sharks and Barracuda too I just I think that's just kind of who he is where his game's at and I just don't know that it's good enough to crack an NHL roster yeah I liked his off puck play a little bit um, but yes I I totally understand and everybody else is you know forward wise you're not they're not if they're not on this team then there's probably no trade market for them. Um, guys like Coland and stuff like I like yeah. him, but you know, there's no, there's no market and I don't, I'm, I don't think you'd resign him either. Um, right. All right. So looking at defense two two names, Jeremy Lauzon, Hayden Fleury. <laughs> those are, those are some big question marks there. They um, really are. Yeah, certainly, uh, you know, given, given how they've played this season, I think a, a lot of it will be determined by how the rest of the season goes. Mm-hmm. Certainly maybe after the trade deadline, if Giordano goes not to get ahead of ourselves, but you know, to get more playing time for those to really see what they are, what they can bring to this team. Um, you know, I, I like both of them. I would lean toward bringing them both back if you could, but realistically, I don't know how, if they're going to have the defense spots for it. That's the big thing. Obviously right now it's, it's still insane that they essentially have eight defenseman like I said yes. I have no idea how they've managed to do this why they continue to do it <laughs> um but I think at this point it does seem like a foregone conclusion Giordano is being traded so working off that I don't know like it's one of those things we saw Hayden Flurry as part of a pretty big trade package just this last trade deadline like yeah if he seems to be falling out of favor lineup wise at least the it's last true. little bit. So, it, you know, I could see maybe you make a move there. Like, if you're not going to play him, you're not you're not sure you're going to bring him back. You don't feel like he's a good fit with this team. He has value. Yeah. No, I, I do I think there's a, a team there. that would, would want to bring him in. Also, the contract. I know you're not really looking at, at, you know, nickel and dime in the cap here. You've got plenty of mm-hmm. cap room. But you look at his contract. He's at 1.3 mil right now. Uh, so that qualifying offer as an RFA is going to be higher uh, certainly than, than Lausanne, who's just at 850K. Uh, so that yeah. could be another factor as well. Right. And I think Lausanne has made good strides with the Kraken so far this year. Obviously started off terrible. It was terrible. Yes. Uh, but he's gotten really, really good for them. And I think that, you know, he's getting comfortable in this system. I don't know that if I was another team, I'd look and go like, okay, well, he changed teams, changed cities, changed systems, and it took him like four months to get going nobody's going to be looking at trading for Jeremy Lawson after that. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I don't think so. Uh, so real quick, Hayden Fleury, I got to think a trade market for Hayden Fleury would basically include every team in the league. Yeah, I think there are so many teams that, that are looking for 
that kind of defensive depth. I mean, one is a contender. I mean, because you could always, always mm-hmm. use more blue line depth through a playoff run. I mean, your your defensemen just get worn down over these playoff series. You need guys like that. And he's still young enough. Mm-hmm. You know, he's only 25 where you could have teams that are maybe looking to contend in the next couple of years that think he could be a fit there. Right. I was thinking an up and coming team might go, okay, he's a, he's an established guy. We know what he is. We could, we could part with, you know, a, a decent return for the Kraken because we know we can plug and play and he's going to be better than anybody we're going to find and or the timetable's not going to line up with, let's say, a high second round pick. Right. Like that guy's going to take a couple of years. You could just get Hayden Fleury now and then know that, you know, you have him to compete. I could see L.A. being interested in him. Oh, yeah. L.A. is a good option there. He kind of fits with their window and what they're looking at. Mm-hmm. Uh, they could use a little more help on the blue line. Yeah, that's that's a good fit. Yeah, um, they're they're the team that really stood out to me the most when I was kind of looking around here uh, at at potential trade partners. Uh, so that is that is it for the RFAs. So, RJ, UFA time. Fun, fun yes. stuff. Um, let's go ahead and we'll just start and get Giordano out of the way. Only defenseman, yeah. upcoming UFA. Like I said, I would be more surprised if they kept him than if they didn't trade him at this point. Any, what are we looking at return rise? I, I got to think a first, you know, a first you know, for a that, rental, it's going to be a low first. Right. I, I, that's, that's the return you're shooting for. That's certainly what you're asking for. If you're Ron Francis, um, kind of seeing how he's handled trades in the past. I don't know that he'll be able to get it. Um, <laughs> so I, I'm thinking either a first or a second plus, maybe, you know, a second, a second, and a third or a second, and a fourth, um, second and a prospect, a, second and a prospect, something like that. Um, which I think I'd say is probably more likely. I uh, will see. I, I would hope that Francis could get a first, but uh, we'll, we'll see what's out there. Also, just given that there's, um, you know, some other defensemen on the market this year that, that might move. We'll have to, that it all depends too, you know, who's yeah. willing to get traded, all, all of that stuff. So um, that's probably what I'm thinking as far as a return. I think you can get a first if you're Ron Francis, if you make it part of a three-team deal. If you Oh, to reduce his cap hit twice? To reduce his cap hit twice, I think you can get a first, especially if you as Seattle, not only are you retaining the first half of this, which is the most expensive, Mm-hmm. But then you're also willing to maybe take on another team's bad contract just for the rest of the year because you've got the cap space. I think mm-hmm. that's how that's how you can get a first for Giordano. I mean, I agree. If I'm another team, I'm not looking at Giordano this year and being like, yeah, I want to give up a first for that guy. Um, <laughs> but but I, I think that's that's how I would play it if I was Ron Francis. I'd, I'd find a third party team. And, and, you know, do something where it's like, okay, I'll retain half of Giordano. I'll take on your bad contract and a second, and then you'll, or whatever, or you give me a first in that, and then you'll get a second back from the team you give Giordano to or something like that, right? right. Uh, to, to make it all happen. I, I could see something like that being, being the case. That's at least, you know, like I said, what I would do. Um, mm-hmm. As far as teams being interested in him. I mean, we got to address the elephant in the room here. Yes, Calgary. I mean, yeah, they are they are playing very very well right now. Obviously, he knows the team. That wouldn't be an issue. I just don't know. I mean, what? It's hard to find it. You know, make a deal work there with you know mm-hmm. with Calgary. I mean, yes, they've got their first rounder. I don't know that they really want to move that right now for certainly for a, a rental like Giordano. 
I certainly wouldn't if I was them. They do have two second round picks though. Yes. So that 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 could help out. Um I'm I'm looking around like what do you think of, you know, the Rangers? He wouldn't be a top Rain- pairing he wouldn't be a top pairing guy for you if you're the Rangers, but he would add some depth and add a, you know, some veteran presence there for you. Yeah, I think they could they could use him given kind of where their blue line's at. I mean, they have a lot of younger defensemen, mm-hmm. um, you know, that, you know, they could probably use someone older like that. I think, you know, they're, what, their oldest defenseman is, you know, 29, yeah. <laughs> as I'm seeing. Yeah. So, yeah, they, I think they could use kind of a veteran leader in that group. Um, and, and, and he kind of fits, you know, with just generally, you know, how they play. They, they value the veteran leadership. They... they mm-hmm value that sort of thing so that could be good and they have a number of prospects that they could move yeah uh, they also have two second round picks mm-hmm. um yeah that I, I like that as potential target yeah so they're they're a team that i would look at in addition to calgary because yes i think calgary makes a lot of sense um mm-hmm. for him all right forwards so one of the two of the guys we talked about a lot as far as oh they're struggling to fit in not sure where they're where they're gonna fit in all that stuff we think they're the two obvious guys to move and get something back for them and not have to re-sign come the end of the year that was of course Cal Yarncroke and Colin Blackwell and boy how things have changed in the last two three weeks (laughs) for sure I mean it's it's amazing what uh, being on either end of Yanni Gord will do for you (laughs) yeah so uh, I guess let's start with Yarncroke. Um, gosh, he's finally being the player that we wanted him to be all along. Uh, but that being said, he's going to be more expensive to resign mm-hmm. and he's 30 right now. So again, yep. you're looking long-term, how are you going to use Cali Yarncroak as far as he's not going to be effective for your window? Um, I, I don't know. I, I, I and think you he's just have the... so much forward depth. I mean, that's what you've got the most of you've as in, you know, even for a guy who can play center, which is really valuable, you know, in a pinch, mm-hmm. um, you know, you got veneers coming up. The, we we right. talked about the center depth for next year. I, as tough as it is, I, I just don't see the fit. Uh, and that's provided that yarn croak wants to stay. I mean, I, I have nothing to suggest that he wouldn't, but mm-hmm. just given that he, you know, hasn't been the best fit until very recently, I don't know. He's he's got thirty one other teams that that he could potentially go to, you know. Maybe one of them feels like a better fit to him. Yeah, this feels like one of those situations. Where if you want to keep him, you'd have to overpay market value, probably. Mm-hmm. And and again, I don't know that that makes sense for the Kraken to do. I think he's he's if 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 I'm Ron Francis and I can only keep one, he's probably the one I'm letting walk. And that's hard yeah, for me to I say because I I absolutely love him and I've loved him for years. Um, but I just think looking at the team, looking at kind of where everybody's at, what the plan is, I think Yarncroak makes the most sense. And again, Yarncroak, maybe now that he's getting a little better, the way he was been trending, though, I don't know what kind of market he would have for a trade. Right. I don't think you'd get as much for him as, you know, say the Preds or even the Kraken would have gotten for him this summer had they wanted to flip him or trade him out mm-hmm. of the expansion draft. Um, I think you're probably looking at, you know, a mid round pick, maybe a third uh, for him. You know, if, if you can get that, uh, it's tough. It, you know, maybe the, the problem is the Kraken aren't in the best negotiating position either, no. because if you don't make a deal, you just hang on and, he, you know, he might just leave in free agency. So mm-hmm. 
um, it's one of those where you kind of have to take what you can get or, you know, as some GMs will do, uh, we've heard Brian Burke say this, just don't take the deal. So the guys know you'll, you'll stick to your prices. Yeah. Um, although we saw how well that may have worked out during the expansion draft. Yeah, and we've seen how well it's worked out for Brian Burke a couple times yeah. too. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. So let's say, let's say they, they do decide to move yarn croak teams that could be interested in, in, in him. I think Nashville, just because yeah, of the situation they're in, that makes the most sense, probably. Yep. Um, St. Louis, I think he would fit in very well there. To some extent, yeah, I think sure. he'd be well. He'd do well in Vegas. Yeah, I think he would. I mean, he kind of fits similar to uh, Matthias Janmark, who they mm-hmm. brought in last season at yeah. the trade deadline. I don't know if they, you know, realistically have the space to do that. Maybe Seattle can help them out cap wise with something and moving someone mm-hmm. out. Um, because they're going to have to do that with Eichel returning. Yeah. Uh, so it's going to be this, you know, huge thing of cap juggling. And maybe you could take on a contract that, that they're trying to get rid of. Whether That'd be it's a on... way of upping the price for Yarn Croak, like the return. It's true. It's true. I mean, take like a, you know, I don't know how much, you know, Vegas wants to hang on to a Will Carrier, but it, oh, that's, that's got some term on it, actually. So I don't know yeah. if you'd want to do that. Um, but uh, let's see. I don't know if they, if they need to move out. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, but... we'll, we'll see. Um, otherwise, I mean, both Florida teams, I think, would yep. be options for him. And I think Pittsburgh would be interested in him. Mm-hmm. Uh, just to, just to add, some, well. add some depth. And, you know, as we talked about on the Patreon podcast, you know, they only ever need one center healthy, at least until playoff time. But in, <laughs> exactly. until playoff time, you might want to have two guys around who can play in that position. Um, a luxury. It is a luxury. All right, Colin Blackwell, I'm in favor of re-signing Colin Blackwell agreed agreed and he had such a rough start to the season through no fault of his own Mm -hmm. missing all of training camp with the injury and then being on you know in COVID protocol and he's really found his game you know over these last few weeks and um I I, I'm just I've been happy with everything I've seen from he's such a versatile player and yeah the role kind of overlaps a bit with yarn croak and if you can only keep one I'd keep Blackwell he's gonna be cheaper um he's younger um, and I, I just like the way he fits better and, and the versatility within the lineup. We still haven't seen him on the power play, but I know he can do yeah, that too. Exactly. That's, that's, I just think of some of the plays I would see him make as a Ranger. And I just go, there is room for that on this team somewhere. And yep. we haven't seen it yet, but I, I know it's there and, and I think it would benefit this team. And yeah, I don't, I don't think his price tag, certainly after everything that's happened this year is going to be very high. Um, yeah late round pick you're you're looking at and i just i don't think it's worth giving up on him oh i meant uh, yeah i meant re-signing him yeah oh oh, yeah return wise yeah yeah, no it's yeah the price tag's probably not gonna be too high i mean you're probably you know i probably know more than a million yeah one five tops 1.5 tops probably um all right marcus johansson I've loved it is the toughest one because i've loved what he's done with the kraken i think he's Mm -hmm he's been very good on and off the ice for this team. It seems like, um, but he's the oldest. It's 31. What do you do with that? It's tough because he's been one of just a few guys who have provided the type of offensive creativity that, that he has this season. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's something that they've just sorely needed given that they don't have any, you know, real legit scoring wingers outside of, you know, Jordan Eberle. Mm-hmm. um to to bring creativity so i think it's got to depend on 
what the plan is for next off season. I mean, if you're looking at, or for this off season, I mean, if you're looking at bringing in, say a big name free agent, like a Johnny Gaudreau or a Philip Forsberg, you know, if that's kind of what you're aiming at, we're going to bring in some scoring wingers. We're going to replace that offensive creativity. We're going to build on that. Then maybe he's not necessary, mm-hmm. but if you're not looking at doing that, he might be worth bringing back. Right. And I think based on what's happening right now, I don't know that the Kraken are looking at doing that. And right. I just, I, I have this vision, Marcus Johansson okay. being on a young Matty Beneers wing. And I think that that would be incredible. I think the early returns on that would be very big. And I think Johansson's the perfect guy to pair with a young player like Beneers as far as how creative he is. He can read what the young guys, you know, likes to do, what his tendency are, how best to play around that and, and build up confidence in a young player. I, I, I think I'd keep him around for that reason. Yeah, I mean that that's a good point. And also I I don't know that the trade return would be very yeah, high yeah. either. Cuz it's one of those where he's played this specific role in Seattle that I don't know that there are a whole bunch of teams that necessarily need what he brings or mm-hmm. that are that are lacking that. Um so yeah, I, I think it's probably best to hang on to him. And I think you could sign him to an affordable deal too. Uh agreed. I mean, he was a free agent signing this year and he was pretty affordable, so uh, obviously that's okay. And not, not only that, he was a late signing, which I guess tells you <laughs> there wasn't a big market for him without having to give up a draft pick or anything. So obviously the, the market for him now is probably not super huge. Riley Shahan, there's, there's no market there. Um, that being said, I think he's a good guy to end on cause we can kind of segue into our last little discussion <laughs> here, uh, briefly. But uh, I, I've liked what Riley Shahan's done when he's been on the team with them and everything. Um, I I think if you need to round out your bottom six over the offseason, I think he's, you know, a, a, would be a great guy to come back. For sure. I, I like everything he's done. He's been so solid defensively. He's He knows his very specific role and he plays it well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so that finishes up this as far as discussing all the guys on expiring deals and kind of where we think the Kraken should go with that as far as either re-signing them, trading them, who might be interested, potential returns. Um, but, I, you know, I, I just brought up something to talk about when it comes to a Riley Shahan, and that's the number crunching that you did. And I think we'll probably go more into depth, you know, later with a lot of this stuff uh, on, a, on a later episode as far as really digging into numbers and stuff. But I do think that it, it's worth bringing up now. Yeah, I, I mean, I just did some basics on this. And I want to give credit to uh, to Robert, uh, uh, you know, on Twitter, who talked to me today, um, also four horsemen on our post game, and he was asking uh, what the Kraken's record with and without Giordano in the lineup was. Mm-hmm. And so I, I went and I ran the numbers, and while I was at it, I went and looked at some other players too, uh, and and I found some interesting things. So uh, maybe he had a point there in uh, highlighting Giordano as a guy that you know with without in the lineup. Because Giordano, uh, from all the players that I ran, uh, was the only Kraken player where the team had a winning record with him out of the lineup. Yeah. So they, they were 3-2-1 without him in the lineup, 7-17-3 seven, with. Now, a lot of these records are going to be skewed toward the losing side on both yeah. ends, just given what the team's record is. So, yeah. you know, we'll throw that out there. But uh, I was kind of comparing the team's points percentage, you know, with and without certain players in the lineup. Yeah. And so obviously Giordano, the only one 
where things were not uh things things were better when he's not there mm-hmm. um i think we we can remember that that was part of that like brief winning streak they had between these two big losing streaks well he was stuck in florida he was, yes he was stuck in florida with covid um that that's kind of what happened there and still it's not like that's a, a fabulous record by any stretch no it's it's just okay yeah it's at least over 500 that's that's the mm-hmm. big thing uh but what about just a couple other names why don't you throw those out there yeah so a couple other names i'll, I'll go with a tie for uh the guys who had uh i guess the bis- the biggest positive boost from being in the lineup so this is a good indicator you know points percentage with in the lineup that's higher compared to being out of the lineup and uh on defense that's there's one defenseman one forward on defense it's vince dunn uh the team is 10 16 and 2 with him in the lineup and then 0 3 and 2 without him so they played five games without vince dunn they have not won a single one um so that is is good for a, a three a 0.392 points percentage with him and 0.2 without him and then also with identical numbers but a different record uh, is Jared McCann at forward. So the Kraken are 9-15-4 with him and 1-4-0 uh, without him. So those have kind of been the two guys whose presence in the lineup has provided the biggest boost. Yeah, it's uh, obviously, yeah, it's it's still brutal just hearing those numbers. I know, right? Both of general. them under 500. Yeah, they're not great either way. Uh, the McCann one, completely unsurprising. Like, you could ask, like, that's, it makes a ton of sense given the way McCann's played this year, how good he's looked, how, you know, all the stuff he's done for this team, the timely goals, all that stuff. The Vince Dunn one was a little surprising to me because, you know, I think of a lot of the games, certainly earlier on in the year, he had some brutal, aggressive pinches that just created so many, you know, odd man rushes, breakaways that the goalies were letting in. So it is a little surprising that Vince Dunn is up there. Yeah, no, I mean, but, uh, I think it's really hurt not having in the lineup. Just what it yes. does is the other D pairs as well. The Dunn Larson pair was doing well, mm-hmm. and and I think that hurts. So yeah. uh, care to this is not a one we went over before the podcast, but care to guess uh, the guy who has the best winning percentage uh, or sorry points percentage while in the lineup for the Kraken. Um, and it's at, it's at four point four four seven, so still under five hundred. But is it, is it Joey Decor? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, this is okay. I, I think I put like an eight game yeah. know, minimum or whatever it was, just of the regulars. Uh, I mean, oh, Adam Larson's been through everything. It's not going to be him. Yeah, he's played all the games. Yeah, so that's not. Uh, is it Will Borgen? No, it's not. Actually, mm. uh, Borgen, they they've done better with him out of the lineup than in. That was a surprise oh, okay. for me. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, Riley Shahan, Colin Blackwell, one of those guys, like a depth guy. No, actually, well, let's talk about Shan because uh, he had the second biggest boost from being in the lineup. We talked about liking what he does. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, they've they've done significantly better, uh, about you know 0.1 points percentage better uh, with him in the lineup than without. Uh, and it's not Blackwell either. Uh, oh, no. I don't know. He's someone we talked about with an expiring contract. That doesn't really narrow it down. Those time. were just two guys. I did, uh, yarn croak. Nope. Flurry. No, although uh, Flurry has the second best. Ah, oh, gosh. They're six, nine, and two with him in the lineup. Uh, Johansson. Oh no, no, no. it's got to be Ryan Donato. Uh, no, it's actually not. Oh my gosh, he's played too many games. That's the problem. Oh, okay, yeah, that's the problem. 
Uh, yeah, I don't know. Just tell me. Mason Appleton. Interesting. They're 7-9-3 and three with Mason Appleton in the lineup. Wow, that's really interesting. And they're 3-10-1 without him in the lineup. Yeah, I mean... It, Maybe Mason Appleton is the key to this team. Right, I mean, it makes sense to me. He's he's played really, really well. Uh, at least, you know, those last couple games he was or in the lineup. Or he caught the winning them. streaks at the right time or whatever it is. I mean, that could explain a lot of this stuff. This is not a very, you know, fancy stat, no, scientific no. way of looking at these things at all. So disclaimer there, it's just fun to look at. Yeah, and that's why I think we're going to update it uh, sooner rather than later. We'll, we'll dig into some more Throw stuff. Some more I think, stats I think gold differential, maybe shooting, you know, all that kind of stuff is should be involved and and i think that's going to help guys like ryan donato out a lot i think that'll that's where we'll see their true team value uh but that is going to do it for this inaugural episode of the deep dive podcast thanks everybody for joining us for this one uh really looking forward to the new rebrand hearing everybody's thoughts on it i think it went really really well harl's is saying goodbye (laughs) got any (laughs) last minute anything you need to say rj no i i think that's it uh yeah, hope everyone likes the new name for the podcast. Let us know what you think. Yeah, all right. Uh, busy, busy week for the Kraken up ahead here. A um, lot, a lot of games. Really excited about it. Quick reminder, obviously this is being released Monday morning. So tonight for everybody, Colorado game. If you're a Patreon subscriber, this is you know one of our two live uh, commentary games this month. So make sure to look out for the link to that. And, you know, plenty of time for anybody, assuming you're listening to this before the Colorado game to uh, join the Patreon and join us for that. We had a lot of fun on the last one and uh, it, it should be a really, really good time. All right. So that's, that's it. Thanks everybody. And we'll uh, see you next time.